right. Welcome to Reverb, everybody. My name is Alex Helberg. And I'm Calvin Pollock. So today we are really excited to introduce something kind of new that we've never really done on the show before. We're going to be doing a series on the rhetoric of comedy. That's right. Yeah. And so so I wanted to ask Calvin, first and foremost, as somebody who has been a, a student and a practitioner of both rhetoric and comedy, <laughs> what, what exactly was it that made you interested in, in, in doing this series? I think I just wanted to like unpack comedy in a way that got everything that's funny about it out <laughs> so that we could just no, no no um you know i have a lot of friends who do comedy and i think that you and i have had a lot of conversations over the last year about the various rhetorical dimensions of comedy and i wanted to just talk to some people i know who do it and try to get at those rhetorical dimensions in a very grounded practical way just talking to working comedians about what they do Absolutely. And and it is a very rich rhetorical activity, too. It involves all sorts of things from thinking about your audience's reactions to the things that you're saying and the way that you're performing. It involves all sorts of other uh, interesting elements of embodied performance. I That's think right. in, in a lot of our interviews, we're going to get into even sort of like mindfulness practices that certain comedians uh, think about when they're, you know, uh, all the way down to like a kinesthetic level. So it involves a lot of really interesting dimensions of rhetoric, but it... it gets at them in a very practical and easily understandable way that I think sometimes uh, abstract theories have a hard time doing. Definitely. And it, something else that we touch on with everyone who we talk to in this series is the politics of comedy, that you know, comedy is something that's inherently political, but that there are a lot of ways to do political comedy badly and hackily um, and how comedians <laughs> avoid that. Um, yeah. It was really interesting as well. Absolutely. So if you're not laughing already, uh, you <laughs> will be soon. Today, we're going to be presenting an interview that we did with three local Pittsburgh comedians, Lorenzo DeSilvio, Tom Higgins, and Jared Helfer. Let's take it away. All right. So why don't we just have each of you say your name and how long you've been doing comedy. So, Jared, if you want to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Jared Helfer. I've been doing comedy for two years. I'm Tom Higgins. I've been doing it for about a year and a half. My name is Lorenzo DeSilvio. I've been doing comedy for five years. All right, great. So, Lorenzo, let me start with you. What do you think it means to be funny? What is funny? To be funny... Let's just jump into theories. Like, is it to be able to think of things that are unexpected, like incongruity theory, where you're unable, like, being able to think outside of the box and surprise a person by being able to give them something that they weren't being able to think of? I mean, that's one possibility. It's also just you were bullied as a child. Or one, it, it, it could be any sort of thing. Some people say it's a defense mechanism. To be funny... I guess at its very basic, it's being able to make others and to a certain degree yourself feel joy and mirth. I like it's very broad. Tom, how about you? What's like for for you? What is it to be funny, or what what does it mean yeah. for something to be funny? Uh, for me, to be funny, like at the simplest base level, is to be able to make other people laugh, or to be able to create humor from something, or like find humor in something that happens like to you or something that you see but i think if you boil it down like all the way it's just being able to like make other people laugh i guess it would be novelty 
like novelty and surprise yeah just like uh reading the vibe of the, <laughs> the room kind of like figuring out what people are you know how it feels and then saying the thing that changes the whole <laughs> well i guess so like when you're writing a joke yeah because you mentioned in that like that reading the vibe of the room is important but that's that's more about performance when you're writing a joke how do you decide like what's funny what's a funny concept or like what's what's like a topic that you think you can do something with that will be funny and that people in rooms will enjoy jared you can start on that one i mean other than like puns which are just like you read something in a book or you hear somebody say something and you're like yeah well hey (laughs) yeah going towards a like a a fear whatever like uh makes you like kind of scared a little bit that's like that's the ideally what hopefully comedy maybe is like any examples of that from your material of like something that you're scared of that you chose to joke about or just like a a fear not necessarily me but like it seems like an every everybody fear let's say like (laughs) 9-11 or something like that um, What's funny about 9/11? Well, other than, I mean, no, 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 not much, not much. But like the idea that we, uh, the idea that we, like, re- revere it as like a holiday. It's like this is how you're supposed to feel for a week, and it is very sad. Like it's it's a real thing that happened, but like the reality it's like, is it's like the sad holiday. Like yeah. it's instead of Christmas, which is like a fun holiday. Exactly. There's like a specific way of. Uh, acting along for for about a week for about four days you're supposed to go oh it's leading up to 9-11 day it's two days till 9-11 all right get a little more serious and then 9-11 you don't know you know we don't know how to like what do we do you watch a 9-11 documentary <laughs> you know you you go you go to a vigil and you're like oh this is, all right we're done being sad <laughs> for like 20, you know yeah and then the next day what do you you know Reality is so much more, I don't know, different than how we're supposed to feel about reality. Yeah. Tom, what about you? Like topics just in general, like how do you pick what topics to joke about? Um, Well, for me, I I don't think about other people that much when I'm trying to write. Mm -hmm. Like I try to think about things that I think are funny. And if it makes me laugh or kind of be like, oh, like there might be something there. Um, then I go with it and then like usually I find that I guess like the jokes will be kind of like reflecting like my personality then like I try to find things that I think are funny and then it's like well hopefully other people think it's funny too mm-hmm. and sometimes they do and sometimes they don't <laughs> right but I start with like what I think is funny what about you Lorenzo I generally uh, start with something that's happening with my life I'm fairly focused on the self though I'm trying to get away from it just because it, good writing habits, I, I don't want to fully focus on myself. But Tom is right in that what I choose to bring to the stage is whatever makes me giggle whenever I write it down. Or it's something that I'd like people to relate to me because of in, in the sense that it's like I, I'm having this thing happening in my life. I wonder if anyone else is having a similar experience and maybe we can relate. And if we can't relate, can I also make it applicable to you enough that you're able to laugh? 
What about topics that you that you all like deliberately avoid? What are some topics that you avoid either because like you feel like you have nothing to say about it, it's hack, or it's just like there's nothing funny there? Like, what are topics that you never touch, Lorenzo? I tend to avoid politics not because I think it's bad. You know, I I think political comedy is a necessity within our society. I just think a lot of people are doing it right now, and mm-hmm. people are doing it better. I'm not good at writing political comedy, so why would I, one, embarrass myself, make a, a generalizing, sweeping statement that's wrong and stupid and is going to reflect poorly? And not that I'm saying anything crass or offensive. I do mostly jokes about roller coasters and cookies. It doesn't... That's <laughs> not... That- that sounds like it could be pretty political. Oh, you... it's so political. <laughs> My Oreo jokes are all about Vietnam. <laughs> no. I feel I feel like people are doing a good job of it. I don't, yeah. like you said, I don't feel I have a ton to say about it at the moment because it's all being said. Jared, any, any topics that you deliberately eschew? I don't usually talk about myself. Yeah, I, I think my life is just like... Uh, it's a little uh, it's not boring but it's just like i don't know life is inherently interesting and i think by like talking about totality of like a life that's very hard to you know even approach so talking about i don't know like a cup you know cups <laughs> or like um cups yeah so or you said? Uh, uh, lizards or whatever okay. like you could find by like focusing on <laughs> The topic of lizards, like you can really dig into that, like really, <laughs> you really like, because most people have an opinion on lizards. Yeah, lizards, <laughs> but they don't know that they do, you know. But until you say it out loud, until you really start like thinking about it, and you're like, oh yeah, it fires off many parts in your brain that you're you haven't thought of for years, you know. Right. Yeah, like uh, that uh, undercutting of m- memory, uh, I guess. So I just I, I had something to add just on the basis of like what I heard, what I was hearing from Jared before, and what I heard from Lorenzo too about establishing a sort of like relatability. Right. It seems like a lot of the topical choices that you're choosing are based on a sort of like like common experiences that everybody or that your audience will relate to in some way, but it's taking it it's like going beneath the surface of sort of like everyday experiences. So whether it's, you know, talking about uh, cups or lizards or just, I mean, deconstructing like an experience with something that seems rather mundane or sort of automatic otherwise. Sure. And that would be more described as observational. And that is what I'd say me and Jared definitely fall under observational, at least at this point and where we are. What about you, Tom? Not not as observational. Is just you. Ex- you explain um, you. Yeah, yeah. Well, like going back to what Jared was talking about. Yeah. Jared, you're someone who like when I watch you do comedy, like I think about that. I'm just like, oh, Jared, like never talks about himself, and I I only talk about myself. <laughs> like that's right. pretty much like what I talk about. I think that also has something to do with the fact that I'm like pretty new at comedy. So like what I know best is like my life and the things that relate to me. And I, I like I hope that like eventually as I go through and do comedy for longer, I'll be able to move away from that. Hmm. But I have to do the stuff about 
me first. I but guess. I feel like a lot of the, I mean, a lot of the most like famous comedians to just talk about themselves right, and exactly. do it really well, yeah. you know? So it's almost just different approaches, right? Yeah, definitely. Sure. But as far as like thing, things yeah, that things I don't like to joke about, yeah. like also politics, like Lorenzo said, just because like, like I am, like I follow the news pretty closely and I'm a pretty politically minded person and I write about politics in my journal a lot, but a lot of time I'm like, oh, that's kind of a funny idea. I bet the daily show already did something like that. Like, right. So it's like, I just don't see a point in like spending time and energy going after that because like someone probably already did. Yeah. Um, and I also don't generally, I don't like to joke about race or like sex or things like that. I don't like to joke about like things that other people like can't control about their own lives or something mm -hmm. that I don't have a perspective on. But if it's something that like something that someone like chooses to do, that's like funny or stupid then I'll totally like make fun of that. <laughs> right. But I guess I like to like stick to things that I have like my own opinion about or my own like unique perspective about. Yeah. I was, uh, well, like what's interesting yeah. about like comedy is like, you're seeing how like somebody's mind mind works. Mm -hmm. I guess it's the same thing with like writing and you know, most art where you like, but it seems like stand up is almost this like, yeah, like automatic writing. Right. And, and you interact with, like, the audience. Like, people are staring at you. You get to kind of test a thought. Yeah. You get immediate feedback of whether or not they accept or do not accept your premise or statement in millisecond. As soon as the syllable leaves your mouth where you're supposed to get a, a big response, the audience can just go, that idea sucked. Yeah stop and you're just like okay all right i'm gonna try three more things that are pretty much the exact same just to see if that was a fluke but yeah. duly noted audience yeah yeah if you have like a, a big idea that you're trying to work on if they don't appreciate like the beginning of your three minute long kind of bigger idea if they, they're not into it in the first 10 seconds you kind of have to figure out in your head like okay they're not into i guess me as a person <laughs> uh then you just have to like reel it back kind of just do like okay here's some jokes here's some like i could you hopefully you can gain back some acceptance right or some enjoyment i want people to have a good time have like a nice time leave better i think we're touching on a topic that we wanted to get into as well which is like editing jokes and testing jokes are there any sort of particular procedures you go through for testing out material either before you get on stage or working material like because i assume all of you do more than one open mic a week right like you're doing yeah, a lot throughout four, the week five yeah. so say you do like four or five a week do you test jokes like throughout the week and like how how is that process Maybe Tom, if you want to start. Um, yeah. So usually, like if I have a new bit that I want to work on, I will try it like several times, like in a week or like over a few weeks. Um, and it's kind of difficult because, like, kind of like what Lorenzo was just saying. Like sometimes it won't work, but in my head I'll be like, uh, I know that that's funny, and then I'll try it like a few more times like that, and then eventually, I'll kind of get the hint, <laughs> and I'll be like, okay, like it doesn't work and then I'll go back in my journal and like sometimes I'll like transcribe my own like set 
from a recording that I have and I'll like write it out word for word and I'll be like, okay, maybe it's not working cause it's like too long mm-hmm. or maybe it's like this word or this word. And then I'll try that a few times. And sometimes it takes like a couple months to get it. And sometimes I like move on to something else and just like ditch it and come back to it much later. But yeah, so in between mics, there is kind of like an, an editing process that you try to like evaluate as you go. Yeah. Uh, I, I like, I try to go different places, like ch- change my atmosphere, my my environment, throw myself into like kind of bizarre situations. That seems to like trigger new ideas for me. Go to a, uh, probably a different bar, a bar, or like a park, Pl- some place I've never been in my life. Yeah, it's just if I feel really good about the thing, like I, I know like there's a specific like little... <laughs> divot in my head like a record you know like a record groove yeah record groove that i'm trying to like hit that i i felt a cup up a couple times doing comedy like i know when it's there like i know when i'm hitting it yeah and if and if it's something like divisive like you know i I, you know i have i write down like a lot of my thoughts uh politics race all the you know (laughs) cookies or whatever you know like (laughs) The big three, yeah, yeah, yeah. Divisive. Yeah. But then uh, you write it down, and especially for like the more, like I'll I'll blast it out. I'll like just write down everything that I think of, just like, like it doesn't it's just bizarre, random. Like you look at my notebook, and it's like the beginning Serial of seven killer or something. Notebook. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and those are my other notebooks. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, but like. Uh, <laughs> But then I'll I, like I I know if I feel really good about it I'll say it. like if it is something I I don't know about like I'll let it sit for like m- months like I, or I maybe never will say it writing it down felt good it was cathartic to write it down but subjecting it to strangers is and just like people who like think and feel uh, is a whole different aspect because I, yeah once again I want him to leave better or maybe a little happier or something lorenzo do you have anything on that on like how you edit jokes or how you decide when something is like needs to be significantly cut my general process is i'll write down whatever my big topic is and then under it i'll write down everything that i associate with that idea and i'll find like my two favorites and I'll go out and I'll test it out. And I mean, a lot of stand-up really is finding out what the audience wants because it's the type of thing I think this is hilarious and they will disagree. And uh, it doesn't mean you should stop doing that specific thing, but if there's a way you can communicate your idea by using a different sort of channel, um, then why wouldn't you do so? Why wouldn't you communicate more efficiently? I've been doing, I just got diagnosed with fatty liver disease. So I'm like the things I've been working on right now is that it's the most delicious sounding disease. (laughs) And like, that's the thing that I've been working on. But if if that like stops working, I've got the next on the list is the phrase chopped liver. And after that, it's Prometheus after the, because stole fire got, chained to a rock every day vulture eats out its liver like and i don't know how like i can use all of those 
I'd like to focus on one and then maybe use those two things as tags, which do you think we should define tags? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A, if a you tag, just define any special terms. A tag, uh, think of it as a little aside. It's within the topic of your doing. It's not the main punchline. It might come right after or right before. It's, and I met this guy, which, by the way, buh, 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 buh. Like, that would be an example of a tag, and yeah. all of these things can be used with that. Yeah, what's another example of a tag, like, from either of your materials? Yeah, it's just like uh, you want to <laughs> go, you know, you're going on a road trip and stopping at a Bob's Big Boy, you know, for a... <laughs> That's you know, not to, a tag. To do whatever you want in a Bob's Big Boy. And then you go back to the same, you know, then oh, you get yeah, back no, on the road. Oh, yeah, no, he actually you know was right. I mean? Yeah. yeah, if if the punchline is getting to your destination, then the tag is the visit to Bob's Big Boy. Oh, okay, that's yeah. a metaphor. Okay. Yeah, it's exactly. a metaphor. I thought there I, was I like think... a pun in there that I wasn't reading. I think you just wanted to say Bob's <laughs> Big Boy. Look, you can go to a Bob's Big Sunoco, Popeyes, anywhere on the road trip. You know, go see Abraham Lincoln's luck cabin where he grew up but you're still trying to get to missouri to see your uncle (laughs) okay (laughs) all right let's move on um uh you're embarrassing (laughs) well i was gonna say i i wanted to return to something that seemed to be coming up in in a lot of your answers which was this idea of like of creating a sort of almost like a persona on stage that sometimes is, you know, I mean with, for Jared, at least it sounds like you want to like make people leave happier. You want to seem sort of like in order to keep people on board with a set, you have to achieve some sort of like a vibe with the audience. So, so how exactly my, my question is how exactly do you do that? Is that part of developing like, an onstage persona that people will find either likable or magnetic in some kind of way. And how exactly do you, how exactly do you do that? Is it different from your regular self? Yeah, it's definitely different. Do we want to, I think it would be interesting if we describe what the other person's yeah. vibe would be like. That's great. That would be awesome. Yeah. Like me and what would we say yeah. Jared's vibe is? Goofy. Goofy. Yeah. Uh, goofy. Lots of like wordplay and, Puns, a lot of um, puns, a lot of wordplay, like a, a journal you found under a trash can. Yeah, that you open to a random page and it's scrawled in what looks like ink. That's, <laughs> but might not be. It totally, it to, it doesn't smell like actual ink. Actual squid. <laughs> Use an actual squid to write it down. Yeah, but hey. that's what we like is we're point. unable to know what you're thinking. It bounces from place to place, and that's what's interesting about that style. Mm. Yeah, and I would say you're not like, you're not really like a, a aggressive or like loud on stage. It's pretty soft, but not like in a bad way. If you know what I'm saying, it's like it's like a gentle, yeah. it's like a gentle, smart delivery. It's the kid at the back of yeah. class who like didn't yeah. talk, <laughs> and if you made him talk, what would he say? That's pretty accurate. Having having <laughs> having been in class with Jared, that was mm-hmm. how he was. So, and that's what's interesting is that you don't really talk about yourself, but you are doing a very authentic version of yourself on stage. Yeah, I hope so. Okay, what about what about Tom's persona? 
Tom is a Tony Hawk created character. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but if, yeah. But if Tony so, Hawk's so underground. He's kind, of like, he's kind of like standing there and swaying while well, he that's like just put more different of how he looks. Like articles of clothing on it's him. It's how he looks and how immediately everyone judges him because you do skateboard to most mics. Yeah. yeah Tony Hawk created character if like, there was one. a diabetes. Level. If, there was, if he had diabetes. <laughs> yours is like up a decent amount, I guess. If you took off the hat. Wiped like just like made his nails nicer and just made him just go. What is actually going on in your head? Stop recommending albums to me, please. (laughs) (laughs) You seem like cosmopolitan. Yeah, a little bit actually. Yeah. Yeah. You seem you seem very intelligent, and you almost like to shit on your own intelligence, a little bit. You seem like put together, in like a way that. I don't get mad at you. You don't seem like a dick. No, yeah, you. In general, you are a very kind person, and I'm not like even knowing you off stage. Like that, I think that absolutely comes across on stage. Uh, so yeah. kind of like a comedian who people like to like. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Okay. How about Lorenzo? Lorenzo is. Uh, I don't like Lorenzo. <laughs> <laughs> just a bad persona. You and me, brother. Yeah, well, it's well, like that uh, is a type, like the villain. But you're not but a that's villain. That's not on my second. type at all. I feel like Jared just wanted to say something. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, uh, Lorenzo is like uh, your superpower is like a, a, a honesty. Like sure. Yeah, yeah. You you can like look at yourself and just like. I mean, you've bits about just like, yeah, what is it, triumphant? You're like... I am thinking about uh, the way I look. I'm not especially attractive. I'm not especially ugly either. I'm ugly in a triumphant way (laughs) where people will look at me and go, damn, how did all of those recessive genes win? (laughs) Is the bit. That's a good bit. so good. Yeah. Yeah. Why am I... I feel bad for sharing all my bits. Like, am I? Should I not do that? No, you should. I think it's uh, that's helpful. You did tell me to. Okay, all right. But yeah, like how, like the way I described Jared as having like like a smart and gentle delivery, I would describe Lorenzo as having like a smart and clever style, but with like a like a sharper, colder delivery. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, I am meaner to audiences. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Don't talk. And it's just a it's just a little bit more like of a like a blunt personality. Yeah, a little bit. I'm mean to audiences, but I immediately apologize afterwards. Yeah. Always. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's, smart. It's, <laughs> I had a woman just like under her breath, just look down and go, I'm sorry, like multiple times. <laughs> and I just felt really bad. And I, I think I bought her a drink after the show because <laughs> I just didn't feel good. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's hard to describe it because I think you're great at describing yourself. You have like a very seemingly like solid sense of self. Yeah, would I don't I don't I think many years of therapy will do that. Um, yeah, self not ego. The, yeah. Well, and this actually touches on something that I want to ask you about that we didn't even plan for, but I I think is important. So, one of my experiences of the Pittsburgh comedy scene, and I think it's developed a lot. Like I was doing mics like four years ago or five years ago. Actually, it was yeah, it was at least five years ago when I first got back and started doing it, but. There, I 
felt like, and this is probably true in every city, but there were a lot of people up there who are using it as a form of free therapy. To what extent, so like in your case, Lorenzo, do you think that you're a better comedian because you took care of that shit like off stage? There is a common phrase that goes around that comedy is cheaper than therapy. Right. Um, but do therapy. Uh, <laughs> do therapy because it's not therapy. There's no medical professional helping you understand your brain. It's just an audience going, we like you or we don't like you. I think just being a more understanding or a more empathetic person or thinking about yourself more can help you in creative ways and uh, especially with self-expression when you understand the self, what you want, what you're trying to do. And I think therapy can help with that. Would I say do therapy just to be a better artist? (laughs) If you've got that money, why are you being an artist? (laughs) So yeah, it, it can be helpful, but do therapy if you need it. Do you think that's true, though? Like, is that something that you see a lot is like people who oh, just seem to be getting up oh, to, just, deal, to just, deal with stuff? I wouldn't say I see it a lot, but mm. you definitely see it sometimes. Like, I'm like, this person wants to, like, talk about this stuff. Like, I mean, part of it is they want a community and a comedy scene is a community of people. That was certainly something I was seeking out. I was 17 and I, I just wanted a group of people. And this did help with that it absolutely did but yeah some people there there is that stereotype that comedians are sad and comedians are depressed and so they'll go well i'm depressed and i'm sad i'm gonna go with these people who i relate with and it it, it's true and it's not it it all really depends on the person yeah I've, i've definitely got some perspective on this also with like the whole relation to therapy and everything i went like a couple years ago like before i went to comedy i had some really like really huge issues with like depression and I used to drink like a lot and like do drugs and stuff. And I feel like all of that stuff was always like in the way of me doing comedy. Like I, I couldn't imagine doing comedy until after I had dealt with all that stuff. Like I never like stepped on stage or like thought of doing it until I had like worked through therapy for a while and put all of that behind me. But also like by going to therapy and stuff, that's where I did learn like a greater like sense of self and all of that stuff that allows you to like like nail down your perspective but i don't really i don't really see comedy as therapy it's nice and the community aspect of it is great but i think i don't think i could do comedy without also doing therapy i i I don't think you should like substitute them in for another and when i do like sometimes i will start to like feel depressed and like i know how to deal with it now but when i feel that way it's almost like impossible for me to like write or like be creative. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I have to be like, well, I have to shelf, I have to shelf comedy for a week or two and like go like meditate and do all the stuff that I do and like come back when, when I feel better. So for me, it's like, they're not really like intertwined. It's like I do therapy first. That's more important. And then when I get myself like leveled out, then I can go and do comedy. How about you, Jared? Well, I really did start doing comedy when I started meditating like every day in the morning. I tried to do that every day, but there are times when like, yeah, I like don't just like 15 minutes, 20 minutes or something like that. But like there are days when, yeah, I don't meditate. And then I find myself being kind of a dick on stage or just like, it doesn't 
flow together. Like, there's not that, like... It's more like a job, almost. Yeah, and just like, ah, I gotta do this thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's, it, instead of, like, enjoying myself being up there, having anything to say, and, and just, like, the first, like, six months of comedy are so bizarre. Because, <laughs> you know, like, it doesn't... Like, I, I had crazy, uh, like, stage fright back oh, in yeah. the day. Yeah. Like, even giving... Um, presentations at school just like a three minute presentation about a book report just like i'd have to like stare at myself in the mirror for like 15 minutes and go like you can do this punch the mirror at the end you got this it was they just like throw up and just like uh, uh, wipe it off you know like it's like hatchet was a good book Hatchet was a good book. <laughs> it was yeah. a good book. <laughs> just, like, just fill time. You yeah, have three more time. minutes. Is that to enough? And stretch. Like, Jesus Christ. C plus, whatever. <laughs> you're fine. You're nine. You're not supposed to. <laughs> 14. You're not supposed to be good at public speaking. Yeah, but I didn't realize that until like much later to be able to have that space. Like, give myself space. Meditation kind of teaches you like, to forgive yourself, hmm. sort of. I don't do crimes or whatever, but like, uh, but just for the, like Thank inherent, clarifying. yeah, inherent, like, um, maybe guilt for like, almost like, uh, yeah, having what you have, not like, uh, necessarily it gives, earning it. Yeah. It gives you like a different perspective on those like emotions and yeah. the things that are happening. It allows you to see them more clearly. Yeah. Buddhism as well. And that way I understand it kind of teaches you that like everybody has these feelings like everybody has these emotions. They're not like something to be shunned or anything. Like, cause it seems like the more you try to put them in a corner, you know, they're just gonna come back. Yeah, they just stronger come back than ever. Because yeah. they're bigger than us. But they, if you if you do kind of like sit patiently, you can kind of like just allow them to pass before you. Yeah, and I think a big a big part of doing that also is that it it like teaches you how to control your own thoughts and your own emotions and that's like such a huge part of like writing and doing comedy is like be, being in control of your own mind mm-hmm. and like being in control of yourself so i think that's like i mentioned like that's a big reason why like i feel like i had the ability to do comedy after i i, I meditate every day also like after i learned how to do that and like deal with everything in therapy i had better control of myself so it kind of like unlocked my creative potential i guess one of the things I just wanted to underscore that I thought was so fascinating about like just this last, you know, this last round of responses, and this is kind of to tie in rhetoric and the kinds of things that we study and talk about on the show previously too. I mean, a major part of a lot of the historical work that's been done in our discipline specifically around writing and other kind of communication skills is that is the role of metacognition, which is basically what you guys are talking about right now, which is being able to think about your own thoughts in a kind of almost like in a reflective way to be able to see that, you know, to not to basically like, I think Tom, you said to basically be able to have control of your own mind and to be able to, manipulate your ideas in in ways that you might not otherwise be able to instead of being controlled by your thoughts uh, you are then instead in control of those things so so yeah i don't know i just wanted to underscore that that's kind of a fascinating facet of what it seems like a lot of you do when you're writing which is 
reflection and, you know, being able to think about your own thought process in new and sort of unique ways. Sure. And I don't think that's specific to stand up. I sure, think yeah. artists considering who they are, what their place is and why they feel or act a certain way. I mean, people will often downplay the artistic credibility of comedy just because oh, it's a poop joke or whatever. But if it's an expertly crafted meaning, you can make that joke about who you are as a person and why you are that way. And yeah, even a, a decent amount of comedians will, because they don't want the label of artist on them. They find it too pretentious. But it's just, it's self-expression. I, I don't see how there's an argument that it's not an art form in, in that regard. And we are artists within that and communicating ideas i was gonna say like yeah dude throwing up in an alley is gross but a bee throwing up is honey you know it's a so, great point yeah it's yeah a great, thank you so like yeah thank they you. come more, more like bees <laughs> <laughs> sort of. yeah fair yeah and then yeah and that's what you see on stage a lot just people like blah 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 Oh, Jesus, I got through it. You know what I mean? I don't even know what happened up there. And that's like the therapy kind of aspect. Just like, and if, yeah, it feels good. And like people, sh I think, should have the right to do that, like in that space. It's better right. than, you know, <laughs> being on the Yeah, being on a street, you know, being on the street and doing it. Like having that context of a comedy club or an open mic. Yeah. Like low stakes. Like, everybody kind of wants to be there, and we'll give you five minutes, like, if nah. you can't. <laughs> I, I don't want to be there. Debatable. Depends on the mic. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, I. but you are putting your finger on, I think, the last thing we should talk about. Just in terms of, like, the real-time embodied experience of performing, like, what that's like for you all. Because sometimes you have literally no audience. Obviously, at a lot of open mics, sometimes you have like a very weird audience, like they're there for something else, and you kind of have to like you're you're performing against like the experience yeah. they've curated for themselves in the room. Like, what is that like? Just in terms of like psyching yourself up to perform in the room, how do you manage that that experience of going up there and doing it? Um, well, I was just talking about how like I meditate regularly. That's part of my process for like going on stage also. Usually before I go to a mic or even if I'm like outside of one, I will try to like meditate before I go on stage to give myself like some consistently. So that, like it, like the rooms are never consistent, but like I try to make it so that I always am. But there is a sense of kind of like like reading the room. I try to watch some of the comics like before me kind of be like okay like this kind of material is like working a little bit better than other kinds of material so maybe that will shift what I do but like like the other night like I had like my set all planned out and I was going to work on this new material but then I saw someone walk in like an audience member walk in with an insulin pump and I, I have diabetes and I have a lot of material about diabetes and like that night I was like, I'm not going to do any diabetes stuff tonight. Like I'm, I've been like sick of doing it, but then I saw him walk in and I was like, oh, I'll do it. Cause like, I know that he's gonna like, like it. 
Yeah. I don't know if I don't think he laughed that much. But, <laughs> but like that was like like that the last second I was like observing observing who was in the room and That's I was like so okay like I'll do this like so yeah like reading the room is definitely an important part of that whole thing. Uh, Lorenzo, how about you? Like any sort of insights that you've gained from like crowds and audiences and like making decisions on the fly about what to do i almost more go off of how it feels physically Mm. because whether or not you're doing well on stage and immediately off stage is a palpable physical experience that you can have to be on stage and i mean for the listener whenever you're in a, a with a group of friends and you tell a joke and it just gets nothing. Magnify that by 10 and know that they're strangers and know that you will never get to defend yourself again to them. And that's how it feels to bomb. That's how bombing feels. On on the other side of the spectrum, doing very well is like a shot of adrenaline. Yeah, It absolutely... There's a reason why, like, we'll go, oh, I hate this part of it. I don't like doing it. But we're still coming back, doing mics four or five times a week, and then going to do our shows on weekend. It it just feels good, part of it. But in terms of pre-show stuff, I get nervous, so I generally I take a short walk. I do a couple deep breaths. I do some stretches, not to, like, relieve tension, but to remind myself to move while I'm on stage. Because if you're just standing there, you have nothing but your words. You know, be physical. Uh, pre-show, I don't know if I have any. I like, yeah, I, I've, I really don't. J- just doing it enough kind of kills the pu- fear of public speaking. Hmm. Just whenever I like don't do it for <laughs> like four days, like I go like I don't know if I could do comedy yeah. ever again. Yeah. And then you do it, and then you're like, all right, that didn't go good, but did, I didn't die or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> couldn't couldn't have been that bad. It's kind of like working out. Yeah, like working out, doing yeah, like that routine, like establishing the groove again. I I try to learn as much as I can during the day, like read yeah read, especially like uh, not comedy like i try i tend to like watch a lot of i love movies and film and i tend to watch like a lot of very like sad polish mm-hmm. <laughs> polish movies. a lot of polish films yeah koslowski uh, and yeah totally like and really like establish like what is funny like what like this what's the is line? sad like, what's the line between sad yeah, and funny exactly this is all s- very sad and feel that sadness and then hopefully I could filter it through myself and say something funny. Like, because I know the distinction. I know what sadness feels like. Mm-hmm. And I know what funny feels like. Then there's this whole thing about, um, like, whenever there's, like, that flow. Whenever you can get into, like, that flow where... Sure everybody's doing really well for some reason everybody it yeah. just feels good and then it just becomes like ma- magical like real like true magic where it's like ah it just like every everybody's like crying laughing I, and it feels like a community kind yeah. of because each person is like contributing something yeah it's, it's warmer like sh- in there yeah just like 
and it's more open. <clears throat> you know, we're all like actually listening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks to all of you for doing this. This was really fun, and you you, you don't have to do plugs. I mean, do you guys have plugs? This is gonna go. This is gonna go out. I like next Astra next week. At Astra, okay. Uh, so go see at Astra, Jared. Go see at Astra. Good. Listen to Stitcher Premium and Nerdist. <laughs> 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 now, um, I have a monthly show over at Steel City Improv Theater. It's called A Good Night Out. Um, it's the last Saturday of the month, I believe. I'm pretty sure I've got that date right. And it's a fun. It's a stand-up show that has characters. Uh, it's it's a really fun, goofy show. So come out and see that. Uh, if you like, wanna like follow what I'm up to with like comedy and like my band shows also my Twitter and Instagram is how I like post. That's where I post all of that stuff. Basically it's Hom Tiggins. You just like switch the first letters <laughs> of my oh, name. Say, Great. Where, you, yeah. That's how I came up with okay. it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. The secret's out. My Instagram <laughs> is mystical hoots and I just post, I just, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just post like pictures and videos of like, fields and birds it's kind of nice yeah it's not funny it's none not of it's funny. None, none of it's of funny, it's funny. <laughs> but it's I nice like, i just do comedy i don't know it's just do live your, i don't know yeah cool yeah, go, out to a lo- go out to a local show go out to an open mic support yeah, come people out to an open mic support your local comedians all right well thanks a lot guys and thank you so much uh, for having yeah, me yeah thank you it was really fun all right our show today was produced and edited by alex helberg and calvin pollock with production assistance from Ben Williams. Reverb's co-producers at large are Caitlin Rossi, Sophie Wadzak, and Ryan Mitchell. Our graphic design manager is Kari Van Nortwick, and our social media manager is Lizzie Donaldson. You can subscribe to Reverb and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Android, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out our website at www.reverbcast.com You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at ReverbCast. That's R-E-V-E-R-B underscore C-A-S-T. Thanks for tuning in.